something you've been putting off. Maybe you say, someday I'll do that, or when I have more time. Whether the item is a big bucket list item or something smaller like going on a hike, now is the time to start your Say Yes list. And we have the perfect process to help you turn these items into reality. Join thousands of others with our free Say Yes list template at thesayyesexperience.com forward slash list. It'll help you stop living in that someday and start making those list items come true today. So download it now at thesayyesexperience.com forward slash list. Welcome to the Say Yes Experience podcast, where we inspire you to get out of your comfort zone and into possibility. Our mission at the Say Yes Experience is to empower 10 million people to say yes. If you're new here, welcome. We're thrilled you're here. I'm Jessica Rector. I co-founded the Say Yes Experience with my then nine-year-old son, Blaze, based off his idea to let's just say yes to things. I'm one of the top experts on burnout, and companies and conferences hire me to present on mental health, wellness, and burnout prevention. As a number one best-selling author of 11 books, keynote speaker, and a burnout specialist, I've seen so much with our clients. The Say Yes Experience was started to help you really start living, to do the things that light you up, have more fun, and turn your dreams of what we call Say Yes list items into reality. So thank you for investing in yourself and being here. Now let's make it happen. Our guest today is inspiring women all around the world. She left her native country with two young boys in a suitcase, not knowing what was in store for her. Her determination and belief in herself to know that something is bigger than what she left behind is empowering people just like you. Please help me welcome my guest today, Najeen Riffitt. Uh, we are so excited to have you here, Najeen. You have a very empowering and very inspiring story. That's why I think it's so important to share it because we want to empower and inspire people beyond what they think is possible. So you used to live in Pakistan. So tell us about life in Pakistan before we get to the juicy details of your story. <laughs> the life in Pakistan is very much the same as anywhere in the world. But definitely we have our set of challenges when it comes to women working or women doing extraordinary work in different fields. Not So the expected or the socially acceptable fields are medicine and, you know, that that's on teaching. That Those are the two fields where uh, it's very easy for women in Pakistan to be accepted socially. But if you are into marketing or if you're doing something exceptionally different, then the challenges are quite a bit. And um, then you have to fulfill all your uh, duties as a daughter, as a mother, as a wife. And uh, it's more like a male-dominating society. Right. And you were working when you were in Pakistan. What kind of job were you working in? Yes, I was working for a multinational and I was leading uh, their South Asian uh, region out of Pakistan. So it was very, very challenging. It required a lot of traveling. It required a lot of exposure. And I was leading, a, you know, a whole company, the whole Pakistan office, which was more than 200 people, 200 employees. So it was not an easy task as a woman to do. And how did your husband feel about that? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's the question I was waiting for. <laughs> 
<laughs> so for him to accept that was uh, not easy at all to begin with. And um, so now the question is that I was working even before my marriage because I was raised by a father who was very progressive. He believed in uh, daughters getting education and working. And, you know, he would do he would allow me to do everything that I would ever imagine to do, which was not uh, acceptable in our part of the world. But he would just say, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> So I was grown in that family. And then uh, when I was married to this family, my husband's family, so they are typical Pakistani family, very conservative. They had their own uh, set of rules and regulations to follow. They have their own labels to put on women that how they need to dress up, how they need to move, how they need to carry themselves, what they can do, what they cannot do. So I was allowed to work only on the terms that I would still continue to be a good housewife, a good daughter-in-law. And what the definition of good was that I have to be back from work at a certain time. I wasn't allowed to travel. So I had to cut down my international and domestic traveling a lot at work, which definitely you being so much involved in the corporate world, you very well know that, you know, if you're putting yourself away from the opportunities, uh, then uh, it is very obvious that your leaders or your seniors would not give you opportunities, not because they don't want you to grow, but because they don't want you to go through the challenges of balancing your uh, personal life and your work. So at what I was feeling uh, a lot of challenges, I was facing a lot of challenges because of that. My husband did not like the person I was, basically. He wanted to change me and adapt to whatever was his version of a good wife or a good woman. So why did you marry this man if he didn't really like who you were? I know that's what people are thinking. Well, why did she marry him then? Yes. So again, marriages in U.S. is quite different from marriages happening in Pakistan or our part of the world. It's more family decision it's more around you know your say is less it's like if you are see when he married me or when he proposed to me i he, i made it very clear that i'm going to work and he said you can work but uh, i'm not telling you to stop your career but there are terms that you need to follow and I agreed to those conditions because I thought that, you know, be, being a Pakistani woman, I have to follow those. So I can, you know, I, I will keep both. I keep a balance in both. But when I actually got married and I started to knowing that uh, to know that person so close, then I realized that his uh, idea or his concepts or his beliefs were totally different and to maintain those terms were, was getting very difficult for me. Oh, yes, yes. And so, and then what changed or what happened when she started having kids? So I'm a diabetic by birth. So that's another thing, uh, you know, so I, so diabetic, uh, type one diabetic patients have their own challenges, but then physical, physically. So I had once and immediately after my marriage, and then there was an eight-year gap from my first baby to my second one. 
And all these eight years, I was being labeled as someone that was sick and who cannot make more babies. And, you know, I'm not uh, uh, healthy enough or... But yet they knew all of this going into the marriage. I don't know everything. And it was okay for them at that point. That's that's the thing. That's where I say that, you know, people change like this. Or people don't change at all. They just wear a mask and we don't see that. You know, so maybe they, are, they were there. They were like this forever. Well, you know, from the very beginning, but I didn't see because I was uh, being shown the mask that they were wearing, wearing compassionate mask to begin with. So my when my kid, my first baby was born, I still had a maid at home. I was like, I was being a good mother. I was like nurturing my boy and then also doing my office work. But the pressure, the emotional trauma that I was going through, like the label that I'm not a good mother, if anything is missed out, then I was blamed for everything. And then it was physical abuse too, which got involved. And things started, you know, piling up. Now, the question is that me being so vocal and so expressive, so courageous, at you know, I was always like this. Because I was raised that way. Why did I stay in that marriage for 12 years? That's the question where everybody asks. And even I ask myself. But honestly, even today, I don't have an answer for this. But Najeen, so you may not have an answer, but here's the thing. None of that stuff happens overnight, right? It's like they slowly start taking that mask down little by little by little by little until ultimately the whole thing is like who they really are is revealed, right? They don't just go, okay, let's get into the marriage of fully wearing the mask, as you say, and then the next day and they they the next day they completely take it down and say, just kidding, this is really how I am now, right? It's little by little by little. And every time like one of those things is revealed, you just go, like just we as humans say, okay, that's not so bad. That's fine. I can work with that. And then another aspect is revealed. We go, that's fine. That's just a little bit more. I can work with that. Until we get to a breaking point that we're like, where we started and where we are now are completely different. I can't keep going down this path. I can't keep doing this. So tell us some of the things that you were enduring at home. Like, Give us an example of something that you were enduring at home. In order for you to say, I can't keep going down this path. Something's got to change because the more you were staying in that environment, not only was it physically harming to you, but it was harming you emotionally, right? And so give us some examples of something that you've had to endure that you finally just said, no, I can't keep doing this. See, I agree with you, Jessica. It didn't happen overnight. I started seeing things, um, you know, first of all, my family was not allowed to meet me. They, uh, you know, there was the complete, they said, okay, your brothers, your mom cannot come and visit you. And I would only go and see them from my office. I would lie um, to my husband and family that I'm, why I'm visiting my mom, that I went there because she's not well, that my brother is not well, although both of them were well, fine, right? So it's so a deep inside as a person, I wasn't happy in doing it. That why am I lying to meet my mom? Yes. You know, so this is, and this is something 
huge. It's not like a small thing. And then I was questioned that uh, if I'm meeting people, if I'm my friends were not allowed to come to my house. I had lost connections with all my friends, and uh, because they didn't believe in friendships. Uh, according to them, that once a woman is married, uh, you know, she has her own family and then that's her family and that's her friends. So the friends that I had grew up with and studied together or worked at different point of time before getting into this big corporate job, and I wasn't allowed to see them or talk to them and I had lost all the connections. So the, this was all building. And then when my son, my first baby, when he started going to school, we in Pakistan, there are different levels of school system, education system. So I wanted him to go to the best as my father had sent me to the best. So they were like, there's no point in sending because, you know, in sending him to, and those schools cost a fortune. And it was like, and I was ready to pay for that. And he took the decision, okay, if you want to send him to that, like, a, you know, a, a big school, you pay the fee, you take care of this. So these things started piling up. And then, you and know, Jean, there's also a story about when you traveled and you came home, how he searched everything. So tell us about that. Yeah, that that was like completely nerve wracking. That broke me down completely. I had gone on a trip, international trip for work and when I came back and my uh, sister-in-law said that you cannot change and you cannot shower till your husband comes back and I was like why and she said because he asked it particularly I said okay and I said I don't know what it is but when he came home and then he kind of opened my and you're not allowed to open your suitcase like you know unpack your bag so I was, I don't know why I accepted it, Jessica, but I did not shower. I did not unpack my bag till he was back home. And then when he came home, he actually started smelling me to feel that he, it, do I have like a cologne, men's cologne on me or something like that. And then he, he kind of unpacked my bag and he was smelling all the clothes that do, do, do this have any smell of the cologne of men and trusting you are actually going on a work trip yes do you want to start saying yes but you just don't know where to start and oftentimes when we don't know where to start we just don't start so we created an ebook just for you we put together 101 ways to say yes in this ebook ideas big and small things that only take a small amount of time like one to two minutes whether you're saying yes to yourself in your family relationships or pushing yourself a lovingly outside of your comfort zone with adventures it's all made to really help you become more of your rock star self so you can get this ebook at the say yes experience.com forward slash book b-o-o-k so if you want to start saying yes or maybe you need some ideas on how to say yes because you get so caught up in being busy and doing tasks and projects or doing laundry and cooking that the time flies by and you want to spend time with your family but you just don't know how to say yes those ideas just don't come to you we put it together to make it super super easy for you so go to thesayyesexperience.com forward slash book to get your copy today and start saying yes now.
Are you feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or burned out? We get it, you're not alone. In fact, according to our research, 79% of the workforce is in burnout and almost half are in extreme burnout. In fact, it's the number one reason why people are leaving organizations. They're burned out. They're looking for something more. They're looking for something better. But it doesn't have to be that way. We have your solution. It's called Blaze Your Brain to Extinguish Burnout. 52 Keys to Prevent, Breakthrough, and Eliminate Burnout. You can find your copy at justcorrector.com forward slash store. Now, this is a great tool that you can use with yourself, with your colleagues, within your organization. Everyone can get one and you can go through one a week with them. And at the end, you can say, what was something that worked this week? What was the success you had? So you can champion and encourage each other. You can also ask, what were the challenges and issues that came up? So you can mastermind and brainstorm around those to keep those from coming up in the future. So make sure you get your copy at justcorrector.com forward slash store. All books are autographed with a personal message just for you. And then I was completely shattered. This has this was too much for a woman to accept. But still I was there and many people told me and I don't know. I love my younger son to the core of my heart. He is my heartbeat. But the reason I conceived him was to get back in the family. Because I was always uh, told that, you know, you you cannot bear more kids. And I thought that maybe this is the reason that he is like so concerned yeah. and he's like so aggressive because uh, he would always say my brothers and sisters have three, four kids and, you know, you cannot and all that stuff. And I said, let me give it a try. After eight years, I went to my gynecologist. I told her that I want to conceive and I still remember her saying that, don't you think that it's too late for you to take this decision now? And being diabetic, it could be very challenging and you're working and your body has like with age, it, you know, like goes down. Said, you're not, you're not, I think you shouldn't. And I said, I want to, because I want to be in that family. And she, do you think that birth of a baby would make any difference? I shared pieces of my pain with her. And I said, I don't care. I just want to do it. I had all the, you know, those like the blind it was like that, that that was just looking at one thing that if I have a baby things will change well and I think also you were wanting to do everything that you could to make sure you did your best yes and then I conceived but unfortunate part is he was a preterm I delivered him a preterm and so he had to be in um, incubator for about 45 days. And he was like this tiny. And uh, so when I got him home, I was nursing him. And it, it was very challenging. That part of uh, motherhood was very challenging. And then I was blamed that this boy will not grow as a normal person, normal human being. And he will have problems, physical problems and stuff like that. And you had added more burden on the family. Mm. Um, just because you wanted to give birth it was not giving birth it was giving birth to a healthy child and Jessica guess what today Shayal is 14 years old and he is healthy he plays awesome under 15 soccer for the state of Connecticut wow and soccer awesome. yeah so no he's like perfectly I mean like all the stuff that they were saying none of it's true right it's just 
their own junk and stuff getting in the way. So let's fast forward. So after you have the baby, they're blaming you. They're saying all that stuff. It gets really bad in the home and that belief. So what was that turning point where it got really bad? What happened that it got really bad? And you said, I've got to leave. I can't live like this anymore. Uh, Jessica, when I brought the baby home after like a few days, I was asked that I, he stopped like staying with me in the same room and, but because of the sick child or whatever. Is that what you're saying? Your husband stopped staying with you because of the sick baby? At the same room because he said that because of the sick child. And but really the baby wasn't sick. He was just preterm. He was just, he was just preterm. He was not sick, sick. Yeah. So, but anyways, the, you know, the, their mindset was completely different. I don't know what they were thinking. And cut story short, things were really bad. We stopped talking to each other. And I know he has started seeing another woman. I knew about it when I questioned. I wasn't answered that that's none of your business. And, you know, I'm free to do whatever I want to. And you are allowed to stay in this house with your kids. That's all. That's all that matters. But Jessica... The day I left the house, it wasn't me who took that decision. I was asked to leave the house. One fine morning, Sunday morning, he woke up and he said, you and your kids should leave the house. And I was given only two hours, less than two hours, to take everything that I want from that house and leave. It started with just me. And I said, I'll take my kids with me. Both my sons were sleeping. It was early Sunday morning. Both my sons were sleeping. He actually woke up my 12-year-old and told him, do you want to stay with me or go, uh, go with your mama? And he was like confused. And just, but he said, yes, I will go with my mama. And uh, the little one just followed because his brother and mom were going. He, I mean, he was just three and a half, less than three. And so what would he do? I mean, he had, he had nothing to say. Now, the question is that when in those two hours, I had no clue what to pick and what not to pick just because I have lived in that house for 12 years. Yeah. I mean, how can I make a decision that this is important and this is not important? And, you know, where all this is leading, I was completely shot with the down. But I still packed some, all I had packed was more of my kids' clothes than anything else, My especially the little one. I still remember my elder one took his school uniform because in Pakistan we have school uniforms. So he took his he took his school uniform and his school bag. For him, that was the only important thing that he needed to take with him, right? And then we just walked out of the house and I had a driver and a car. So I just sat in my car and I told my driver that, you know, just drive me to my family home. And that's where I landed. Um, I stayed there. I, in that house, in my family house, for a year or more till I was in Pakistan. It got worse because I thought that it has ended here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm out of that house. It has ended here. Yeah. I wasn't given any money or anything to take care of kids or anything. It was just me, my jaws. And you're still working at that time, right? So you no, have to get in because I was still working. And I must say, Jessica, that my company, I still can't be thankful uh, enough. I, I don't know what I can do for that company someday to just show my gratitude how they stood for me. 
unbelievable. Those people, it's based out in US, but the way they stood for me is unbelievable. Oh, okay. So you took me to kids, you were in that house for about a year. And yes. then what happened? Did he want any custody to the kids? Did he? And get all of a sudden, all of, although he wasn't paying anything, but all of a sudden, once the divorce had happened, I thought that, okay, this is what it is. And then in the, the Constitution of Pakistan says that, you know, a child who is like uh, till seven years of age, the child can stay with the mom. But my elder one, Shahir, was 11 by that at that point. So he couldn't take a decision. So I thought that the kids are with me and this is my life. I accepted it. It was okay. And all of a sudden, I get this notice from the court that we are into a fight for the custody of kids. Now, the fight was with, the in Pakistan, there is Sharia law, which is Islamic law. And according to the Islamic law, a mother cannot have full custody of boys. Oh. That, that's where he played. He played really hard on that. And Jessica... One day in the courtroom, I felt that it is best to accept my failure than to fight. Because I was in the state of denial. I was denying. I was in stage of denial 12 years and stayed in that marriage. Right. And I was repeating the same mistake, fighting that custody case in Pakistan where everything was going against a woman. And I know it would. So he had ultimately happened. Yeah, he had he had money, he had power of money. He had he was playing with the laws, with the with the, the religion, and I was just denying everything. And on that day in the court when I decided that I, I should accept my failure, I said some harsh words in the courtroom. I still accept that. I agree that. I told them that I don't believe in the Allah or the God that says to take kids away from their mom. I don't believe that any God would ever say that. Right. Especially when the father has married and or he hasn't shown, married to another woman and he hasn't shown any respect or love for the kids. Right. Who would any God want uh, kids to be there? Number one. Number two is, has he even asked the other woman if she's ready to raise my kids? Right. So his problem with his problem is with women, not with me. Right. He just wants to, you know, satisfy his male chauvinism. That's it. And those that getting custody of the kids. Yes, I think it was just to put pressure on me because Jessica, as we move along in the story, you will realize that it was all more about men chauvinism than anything else. It was nothing to make connection with the kids. I never stopped him to make connection with the kids. Till today, he has never ever called or sent even an email or a letter to my boys. Mm. No connection, zero connection. They don't know what a father is. They, their father is Najin. Their father is, you know, is is me. That's it. Yeah. So what happened? What did he get custody of the kids at any point? Because uh, see, I knew that the the court will give him the custody at some point. Because it was going in that direction. So I took the decision, and here is the great scape. I took the and then I took the kids to, I, I told my office that I need a relocation because I cannot stay here anymore. It's becoming, because he he had done a few things which he shouldn't have, uh, which were like life-threatening, like the firing on the car or stuff like that. 
So I was, uh, I told that I am not safe here and I need to move out of Pakistan. So they said, fair enough. And they, they asked me that, where do you want to go? And my thing was, I go to Dubai because that was closest to Pakistan. And I said that led less cultural difference. So I go, we had a footprint in Dubai operations in Dubai as well. So they said, okay, we'll relocate you. I got a relocation to Dubai from office and a relocation, as you know, in corporate takes months and months, but for me, that I'm leaving in two weeks, we can do the paperwork and everything later. They said, fair enough, you go there. I went there, I got an apartment, I stayed there. And when I started looking for schools, I completely forgot that Dubai was also a Muslim state. When I started going to schools for admission of my boys, I was denied. Why is that? Because they said that how can a mother have the custody of boys that if you have, where is the constant letter of the father? You need a letter. Yeah. And I didn't have that. And so I was going from one school to the other one school and I ended up going to a British school, a school in Dubai, but run by British administration. I went there and I still remember a British lady sitting there at the administration desk. And she said, Najin, I have to give you a sincere advice. You better take your kids and go away from here if somebody complains, you will be behind the bars because they are going to put allegation on you that you kidnapped your kids. Ooh. It is that serious. So stop running around in schools and find a way to make better. So glad she gave you that advice. That gave me goosebumps. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Can you have a name behind bars and your boys going back to the, the ex? So I had no, so I sent my boys back to, because my office had done all the relocation expense and I could not say them that overnight that I'm not going to stay in Dubai anymore. So what I did is I stayed in Dubai. I sent kids to my mom in Pakistan and my kids started going to school again in Pakistan for about two to three months. Okay. Right. Between these two to three months, Jessica, I would take a flight every week to Karachi from Dubai to see my boys. Just for a day. Yeah, just for a day. Yeah, and then I would just see that again, you know, for my work. Uh, this went on and on for about two, three months. And I was like, Donna, like, this is not happening. My boys now don't have a father. They don't have a mother. And we are going nowhere. Then what happened? Yeah, that's where, uh, that's when, you know, my uh, childhood friend, he, I called him and he said that, you know, why don't you, he lives in the U.S. And he said, why don't you try to come to U.S. with your kids? I said, again, when I go to the embassy for U.S. visa, I have U.S. visa because I travel, but my kids don't have U.S. visa. So if I go there for the visas, the first thing they're going to ask me is the custody or, uh, you know, the constant letter. Mom, father. So he's even if I'm taking them for a visit, right? Right. He said, I said, they will never say yes. He said, what if they do? And I just, I still remember I banged the phone because I hated him at that point that why is this man not understanding my problem? Right. You know, why is he expecting me to do something so stupid? You know, like, what would you dare? Yeah, and just, I'm so upset. But the next moment I said that I think this is the only stupid thing I can do to save my boy. Let me do it. I filed the application, the visa application for my boy for US. And on the date of the interview, I went to Pakistan 
to Karachi. The visa, uh, the immigration had called, the embassy had called my eldest son for interview, but not the little one because he's too young. he was too young, right? He was just a two and a half, quarter to three. So obviously they didn't call him. And me and my elder one went there for the visa. I, I had Jessica this thick file, trust me. And, you know, in your audience, honestly, this thick file, full of all the papers, you know, orientals, right? Yeah. All the papers showing how much money I have, how, you know, this, and I was applying only for the visit visa. You know, I said, I can take care of my boys. I'm taking them for a trip and everything. When I went to the, on that, to that window, my elder one is very tall, as you know, you know, you guys see in the pictures, he's very tall. It's like very tall. when he was uh, 12. So the lady just asked him that you, I don't know, how old are you? And he goes like 12. They said, aren't you too tall for a 12 year old? And he's, he was just smile. You know, when like, the kids, they just shy away. He just smiled. And then she just asked, we have the kids traveled with you before? I said, yes. Although she could see everything on their path. Green in the visa, right? Yeah. And we got the read. They stamped it. They didn't see any paper. Something happened there. Something was just meant to happen. The great escape. So yeah. to the stage, you've been here for a little while. And how are things going? So now we are here. We came just with three bags to US. The day we arrived was 8th May and it was Mother's Day. When we oh. Stand in the United States of America. That was but in a couple years. When did you get here? I got here in 2016. Oh, 2016. So it's been a big year. How do you believe it's been that long? In, uh, yeah. So, so from since then, it's, I just can't tell you how supportive, how loving, how accommodating this country and the people are. Uh, well, we're so glad you're here. That's so inspiring. Very inspiring. I have no family. I'd like obviously distant family and cousins with a audio, but dude, because of my marriage, I had lost connections with everyone. So I never wanted to build them right away because for them to feel, oh, she's coming here to, to seek some help. You know what I mean? So I never wanted to do that piece. I said, when I'll be settled, I'll connect with everyone. Now I'm connected to everyone. That's for sure. I love it. I love it. So tell us very quickly, tell us what you want people to get from your story that maybe they can use and incorporate in your life. I mean, it's very inspiring and empowering, you know, just the power that we can do things oftentimes that we don't believe is possible as long as we just go out there and do it and say yes and stop limiting ourselves. Yes. want people to get from the story published book all the chapters are the lessons of my life that I learned but and something that I tell everyone like when they say what is the message that you want to tell I just tend, want to say a few like few things number one never stay in denial mm. never ever stay in denial and don't let fear take over you yes and, and this time, this thing, don't let fear take over you. This I have learned from Jessica. No other person than Jessica. All the way in the story, while I was in Pakistan, I met this woman online and I just fell in love with her. Oh, there were any decisions she didn't even know that I was taking because of her. We were talking as friends all the time. Between our friendship, our girls talk. She is a mentor to the core. I am telling you guys, because during our funniest talks, even about 
date nights, even about all the funny thing that you can imagine two women, two girlfriends talking, she would give me messages of strength and not to live in fear. This is something that I learned from her. Many decisions of my life are dependent. I, I could make only because of the advice that I got from her as a friend. That is that is 100% that I owe to Jessica for the entire of my life and my kids. That's why they call her the, 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 of my sons, they call her the fearless Jess auntie. That's what. That's sweet, Jane. That's so sweet. That is so sweet. I love that. Yes. Live in fear and then resilience. You will, resilience and the acceptance of failure. The moment we accept failure is the moment we step towards winning. Yes, that's powerful. The moment we accept failure is the moment we step towards winning. I love that. Thank you, Jane. Yes, and this these three four messages. If you kind of hold it to to your heart, make it part of your values. Whether you are working in corporate, see, I being I was when I came to US, I was promoted to the level of di uh, diversity and inclusion. The consultant for that. And that's the work that I do now. And emotional intelligence, one of the work that I do is because I had taken those decisions. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Najee. We love having you and all the lessons that you shared. Thank you so much for joining us. Take a little bit of Najee's wisdom with you and really go out and inspire and empower yourself because you don't know what you're actually capable of. Just go out and say yes and be resilient and know that you're stronger and you can do it. Stronger than you ever imagined and braver than you ever knew. So go out there and make it in front survival story. Yes, yes, we love hearing her survival story. And it's a thriving story too. It's not just a story of surviving. It's a story of thriving. And sometimes you got to get out of the environment and the situations that you're in in order to actually thrive. We'll see you on the next one. Have an awesome day. Bye-bye. Are you ready to move to your next level of rock star greatness? CFO, Chief Fun Officer, number one best-selling author and keynote speaker, Blaze Rector is ready to help you do that. At just 10 years old, he's already written two number one best-selling books. Through the power of storytelling, he uses lessons learned and shares strategies, tips, tactics, and tools to inspire, empower, and motivate you to live a more amazing life. So if you're ready to do that in your own life, grab a copy of his number one best-selling books at justcorrector.com forward slash store. And when you order your copies, he will personally autograph them and write you a message on those books before shipping them out to you to really inspire and empower you in your life. These books are great for adults and kids alike. So if you're ready to move to your next level of rockstar greatness, make sure you grab your copy at justcorrector.com forward slash store. Enjoy those amazing, empowering, transformational books. Did you know that the two biggest issues impacting the workforce are mental health and burnout? Well, we have your solution. The more that you feel burned out, the more it impacts your mental health. The more your mental health is impacted, the more it leads to burnout. So it's a vicious cycle that goes around and around, but it doesn't have to be that way. 
you can help them both if you're intentional and strategic with it. We have lots of resources for you at jessicarector.com forward slash store. One that I want to highlight that really enhances your mental health is Tame Your Brain Game, 52 Tips to Turn Negative Thoughts into Positive Action. Now, research shows that 80% of your thoughts are negative. No matter how positive you feel, it's the pattern and the habit that you've developed over the course of years, over the course of decades. And that can often impact your life, how you show up, how you lead, how you communicate, how you engage, whether at work or at home. And then it also impacts a work environment. All you need is one NN or TT, negative Nancy or toxic Tim, to really impact that work environment. So if you are ready to enhance your mental health, get your copy of Tame Your Brain Game, 52 Tips to Turn Negative Thoughts into Positive Action today at justcorrector.com forward slash store. All books are autographed with a personal message just for you. Thank you so much for being here. Check us out at thesayyesexperience.com. Our mission at the Say Yes Experience is to empower 10 million people to say yes. With your help in sharing our podcast, we can do that. Follow us on all social media at the Say Yes Experience and join our free community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Say Yes Experience. Thank you again to our guest. You can find all the contact information for our guest in the show notes. Thank you to our CFO, Chief Fund Officer, Blaze Rector, our business advisor, Lisa Verhurek, and to our team at Jessica Rector Enterprises. We look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Have an amazing day and keep being a rock star. Oh, 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 o